Welcome to the Payroll Insights Podcast with Steve Bogner and Nina Scott. Hello again, Nina. Hey, Steve. Well, today we are talking about payroll productivity. It's kind of a, a broad term, but really we want, we want to talk about how do you know that you're being a good steward of the resources you have in payroll? How do you know that you're being efficient? Um, how do you know if you know you could become more efficient or if you're doing pretty good? What does productivity in payroll look like? And I think that's both from a payroll processing perspective and, a, and an IT perspective. Because it's not simple. It really isn't. You know, we, we see all these places where, uh, you know, there's benchmarks like cost per paycheck, for example, um, which is, I think, pretty crude. <laughs> and it, it doesn't cover a lot of stuff. And it's certainly problematic when you're comparing um, from one country to another. I don't think that even holds up. Um, so it, what is productivity? What does productivity and payroll look like? Um, you know, I think that one of the things to look at is, you know, of course you, you should be looking at the number of payrolls you run per year, the number of remittances you do, um, you know, have some, some metrics like that. It's good to have that so that you, um, you know, can communicate that to people because, you know, some companies, one company I was working with, um, the executives were really shocked that they had a million paychecks per year in their company, just in the US. They were shocked and um, they had no idea that, that it was that many. And when you can communicate those things, then that's good, right? It's, it's good, it helps people understand payroll and your payroll environment. Um, now, when you want to look at the cost per paycheck, that gets a little more complicated, right? Because what do you include in that cost? How do you really measure that? And, you know, also it's, it's more expensive to run payroll in some environments than in others. So if, if you're, uh, if you're Google and you're running your payroll, um, mostly professional jobs throughout the country, right? And, you know, maybe semi-monthly or monthly paid, that's a lot different than paying uh, weekly in a construction industry, a lot more complicated, right? So um, you want to be careful about how you compare, right? Do the measurement, but maybe not necessarily the comparison. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, that's something important to keep in mind. Um, it's, it, but it is good to have an idea of what that is because it, it forces you to take a look at your costs and, and have some awareness of that. So for me, productivity, I think you have to look at productivity in two different forms. You need to look at it in a steady state and in, a, and in um, mm -hmm. I don't want to use the word crisis, but in an opportunity moment. <laughs> <Get it. laughs> those special times. Yeah, those special times. So you want to, um, you know, have some ideas about productivity um, in both those times. And like you mentioned, you can use measurements or tools or metrics to do that, but you can also use um, some indicators because metrics are kind of interesting. And sometimes by the time you, you analyze them and pull them apart and do all that stuff, it, it's, they've become so distant. They're hard to really feel mm -hmm. on a day basis. So yeah. productivity, especially in the steady state environment, 
you know, you can look at some attributes of your payroll, and these should sound familiar, um, attributes of your payroll to see, are you truly productive? And some of those attributes kind of um, might be, you know, how much manual input are you doing? How much are you manipulating reports? How much is your management function doing by rolling up their sleeves? Have they, um, have they delegated? Have you upstreamed or downstreamed particular tasks? Um, you know, indicators of automation um, versus manual interfaces or mm -hmm. integration. You know, those are some indicators that you can use that aren't cost per paycheck. Because that is an important one or how mm -hmm. many offsets. But I think those are those are the end game. And when you start to peel back the onion, some of the attributes which drive that that metrics mm -hmm. looked at and kind of gotten your arms around pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I I like to tell people that. Um, when you have a productive payroll department, the number of <laughs> there's payroll clerks and then there's payroll analysts, right? Payroll clerk is doing a lot of manual stuff and a payroll analyst is doing higher level work, more analytical things, um, watching the system, um, taking care of metrics and looking at automated processes and things like that. The ratio of clerks to analysts is, is an interesting thing to look at. Um, I think, you know, the fewer clerks you have to the analyst, the more productive and efficient your payroll department will be. Now, it can be a little counterintuitive, right? Because you pay an analyst more than you pay your payroll clerk. But when you have more of that work automated, being monitored and controlled by analysts, then that means you add a thousand employees, you don't need to add another payroll clerk for that, right? So leveraging this automation so that um, your unit cost stays about the same, even as you add people, or even may maybe it goes down, right? Because you're automated. Um, you wanna be able to scale up and down both without having to add or remove people significantly. Right, there's a step cost, right? If you were to add, if you have 10,000 people in your company and you add another 10,000, you're probably not gonna be able to do that with the same staff you have today. But you shouldn't have to double your staff, right? It's gonna be maybe add, an, add another analyst to do some things specific for those extra 10,000 people. Um, so you wanna focus to be productive and to, to manage that, you really wanna focus on automating any of these manual tasks, you know, anytime I see someone, you know, downloading a report, massaging it and uploading it again to do something drives me crazy. Your system should do that for you, right? And so you want to work with your payroll software team, your IT team, or your service provider to figure out how you can avoid that work because there's really no value added in that. You're basically, you have a person during the work of your system. And that sort of stuff drives me crazy. It's just completely not value added. Um, 
So have this constant, you know, keep constantly looking at your, your payroll system for the lack of um, functionality in that system. That might mean that you need to change your system, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and some of the, the software providers don't give you a lot of those options. So you've got to think about, you know, cost value, the size of your organization, that sort of thing. The other thing I was I was thinking about while you were just talking there, Steve, was that um, just because you call somebody an analyst doesn't mean they are an analyst. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay. So when we refer to a, a clerk, we're not actually talking about the title because you could be the grand poobah and really still not be the grand poobah, right? Um, so we're talking about the functions that you perform and I will be very careful because organizations, um, throw around titles and they, they don't necessarily represent. Or maybe they do in their language, but when we're talking yeah. about, we're talking about in terms of tasks that you perform. So, you know, you want to be really careful there. Yep. The other kind of component that um you know i mentioned in the beginning is there's also productivity in the non-steady state environment okay year mm -hmm. end okay um in those opportunity times <laughs> we've talked about those before yeah. and how do you handle them but mm -hmm. some of those plans that you have make them product uh, you know more uh, efficient and you know um more steady state. Let me put it that yeah. way. So a year yeah. end routine. More yes, routine. great wording. Um, a year end where you're not going through this tremendous stress, or you're not requiring your team to be in there around the clock, or you're not, you know, dealing with uh, lots of fixes after January first. You know, those types of things while you're still trying to do your normal everyday job. Um, those are indicators of your efficiency, you know, your productivity, your planning. Um, and, and I think those are very important ways of monitoring how successful you are, are within that organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those are good points. <clears throat> also, I think, um, some of the keys to being productive and efficient in payroll, a lot of them are tied back to your service provider and your software system. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking of, you know, when COVID-19 uh, started and governments all around the world put in these incentives to keep people employed, right? And a lot of them impacted payroll through tax credits or changes in how work was done. And they were all very country specific. Now, your payroll provider or your payroll system should have been able to support those. Um, you know, if if you were able to apply patches from your provider, or if your payroll outsourcing provider was able to just do those for you without you having to do something special, that's a good sign that you're being productive and you're being a sort of a good steward of your payroll resources. However, if your software provider didn't deliver a fully functional update for you and you had to go spend a lot of time applying it 
or if they did provide it to you, but you had to go in and do a lot of stuff extra because of how your company works, then, you know, that's a sign that you're not being productive and efficient and effective with your resources. Um, you know, payroll is payroll, right? And it's, it's a very, it's a repeatable, standardized, rigorous process. And um, software providers and software systems should be able to automate these compliance changes. And, you know, you should be able to adapt them relatively easy. Uh, if you're not able to, then you should look at why is that, right? Um, and you may not be able to change that in the moment now, but going forward, when something else comes up, compliance related, or there's a new policy, or there's an acquisition, or some sort of chance to impact these things, you can make your argument to say, you know, if we do it customized like this, that means anytime we get a compliance update, we're gonna have to spend extra effort to make that happen. And maybe, maybe that's the right decision for your company. Maybe it isn't, but bringing that up is, uh, I think the responsibility of your payroll IT team and your payroll manager to say, look, we can do this, but it's gonna cost. And um, is that okay? Yeah, maybe it is, maybe it's not, but at least you have, you know, you brought up the conversation, right? And, you, and you've made a conscious decision to do it instead of just sort of letting it happen, then people start to complain, well, why is payroll so inflexible? Why do they always have to make these changes when it's just simple compliance? Yeah, it's because you've taken simple compliance and you've added your stuff on top of it. And that affects your productivity. So there's two things you kind of highlighted there. One is, um, you know, does your payroll provider provide the updates for various yeah. compliance? And it's very interesting because even some of the large providers don't do all of the nuances of some of the regulations that you would expect. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the ones that I can think of like mass transit. <laughs> it's, if you were in Massachusetts and you have to do a little bit different transit limit than the federal, it's not fun. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And dealing with that. Uh, but that's a Massachusetts based and so a company type thing and it, that organization or that software provider may have not had a large population there that utilized such and such, and such a thing. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about while you were talking was efficiency also is about how you're able to absorb those changes. Do you mm -hmm. have um, a good solid process? for testing, rolling them out, communicating them, you know, getting them into your organization quickly. So does that team that responds to those know what to do and how to do it quickly? So that is also another indicator. The other thing that came to mind while you were talking was efficiency is not always systemic in operation. Sometimes it's policy, okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for sure. Policy is spaghetti. <laughs> it makes all those other things much more difficult, okay? So yeah. if you can untangle or suggest things um, to improve the policy, 
Um, because many times policies are such because they changed incrementally many years ago. Mm-hmm. And that incremental change doesn't quite make sense. Or that incremental with 17 other incrementals on top of it doesn't make any sense anymore or is very complicated to to facilitate. Mm-hmm. And not and sometimes it doesn't even really matter. You know, I mean, if you need a slight change, there's not a huge dollar impact or or whatever. But people get very much attached to that. That's the way it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we're offering this benefit. Well, this minor tweak really might not even affect people. And <laughs> yeah. you know, my experience with that, Nina, I mean, a lot of these benefits, I'm air quoting benefits um, that come through the payroll process. Um, the benefits department cares more about them than employees do. And, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's for a reason, maybe it's to get on a list of, you know, best places to work in the Midwest. I don't know, but a lot of employees are looking for reasonable benefits. And I think when they're simple and easy to understand, I think that that is important. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, benefits, people are going to kill me on this one, but I, that's my opinion and I'm sticking to it. That's my yeah. lived experience. I'll say that you can't, you can't invalidate my lived in experience. Um, <laughs> I've seen it over and over. You know, another thing I see is, you know, when, um, when we're looking at productivity and this often comes up when, um, a company says, you know, we need to change service providers or we need to change software companies because we just spend too much on payroll. You know, it's too big and complex and costly. And when when we look at why is it costly, sometimes it's just because of the environment you work in. Um, you know, if you're maybe you're a manufacturing company and you have uh, union agreements, maybe you have a national agreement, right, with UAW, IAM, whatever. But every one of your plants has some local operating differences, right? And, and the locals said, well, we'll take the national agreement plus X, Y, and Z. Or at the local level, some changes were just sort of done because the plant manager wanted to do it. And now you have this past practice going on, right? Where you can't just, well, it's not in the contract, but we can't take it away because we've been doing that for 10 years. So, you know, Understanding those things and being able to communicate the cost and the hit to productivity that those things incur um, is a big deal, right? Because if you take if you can take your weekly payroll and move it to biweekly, you just saved a lot of work. But we can't do that because it's bargained that it has to be weekly. And sometimes I think uh, people who are looking at the cost of payroll and the productivity of payroll need to be reminded of those things um, so that they understand, well, you know, yeah, this sucks, but it's just the way it is. Um, and so when you uh, are also then looking to, if, if you're looking to outsource your payroll, then those are very important things to talk with your outsourcing p- provider about when you're interviewing them or evaluating them and say, well, we have to stand weekly we have these union agreements that dictate X, Y, and Z. So those things can't change. So don't assume in your proposal that you can change those or that you can sort of um, you know, work around us because you can't. Uh, it's, it's really important. So I think, you know, Steve, we touched on, we started with 
um, the, you know, the metrics form of how do we know if we're, you know, productive. But then I think we touched on three really important areas of areas where you can look at your productivity to improve those metrics. Mm -hmm. We looked at both operationally, how are we doing our job? Two, we looked at systemic, what can we do to make the system more efficient? Um, and three, we looked at the policies and uh, processes that drive, or policies and procedures that mm -hmm. drive some of those operational and systemic things. Um, so I think we talked about that in both a steady state and more of an opportunity state. Um, yeah. and, and I, you know, we kind of hit on some good stuff. You know, when we started this conversation today, I was like, oh, let's see, maybe what are we going to talk about for productivity? But as always, <laughs> <laughs> we had plenty to kind of highlight on there. I, I think, you know, we hit on some good stuff. Yeah, I think so. There's a lot to talk about on productivity and you know, you're right, we did start off talking about the measures and how problematic they are, but still do those, right? And compare against yourself. Yeah, yeah, compare against yourself. Way. Um, you know, and one other thing I think you mentioned earlier that I do want to highlight again is uh, metrics or how are we doing isn't just numbers. Sometimes it's what, you've, what have you done for me lately? Okay, mm, yeah. doing your your one page slide of, you know, all the great things you've accomplished and done this year. One, it sometimes is a great morale booster for your team because they don't remember what they've yeah. accomplished. You know, if you say you produced so many million paychecks or so many, you know, whatevers or, you know, wow, we really did do that, you know? We've answered so many employee inquiries or, you know, implemented new benefit programs, whatever it is. There's, there's a morale component of it. And then I think there is also an upward education component of that that is always important because again, peril is that thing that stays behind the curtain and just happens and when you never hear from it, leadership is fine. So, um, you know, sometimes educating them about the things that have changed or what you've done is really mm -hmm. important. Um, not to brag, but to brag. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you're communicating the environment you work in, right? Yeah, so that's important. I mean, a lot of executives will look at that and say, okay, that's nice. Well, you're doing your job and that's okay. That's an okay response, but you've made them aware of, of things, right? So. Uh, I mean, communication, communicating up the organization is so important with payroll and it's um, one of those things that doesn't happen very often. So this has been great, Nina. I think, um, you know, hopefully we've given listeners some um, good information on productivity, what it's about, how you can improve it, um, and how <laughs> sort of hard it is to get your arms around sometimes. So uh, productivity and payroll. And so thank you very much. For the conversation and and thanks listeners for listening um give us feedback through linkedin let us know um you know if you agree or don't agree if you have things to add we'd, we'd love to hear from you